0: Tapes and scouts. A podcast where two friends review every single movie they watch. I clapped. Woohoo. <laughs> we got a clap.
1: We've got the clap.
0: Yeah, I we do actually.
1: <laughs>
0: it's about time we got some applause for this. Yes, finally, finally. Absolutely. We got some movie I got some movies worth clapping for this episode.
1: Oh do you do?
0: Yeah. Yeah, nice nice change of pace.
1: Good movies. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Strong right. films. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first?
1: I will go first, because you have to end better than I do. Okay. So, first, I have a movie called Come and Find Me from 2016. Hmm. I watched this on April 11th of 2021 Mm. it's one one hour 52 minutes your genre's drama mystery thriller directed by zach whedon okay starring aaron paul annabelle wallace and garrett dillahunt Hmm. your imdb movie summary when his girlfriend goes missing david must track down her whereabouts after he realizes she is not who she was pretending to be
0: sounds pretty generic
1: it's super generic. This is um it's an interesting movie but I just really want like Aaron Paul to be this great actor and every time I try a movie with him I'm not super convinced. <laughs> mm, that's fair. I mean Breaking Bad's so good
0: but It is. But I don't know. Like,
1: I don't think it's him. I just, I don't know. He's not taking these good roles, you know?
0: Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, he can only, he's got to, he's got to try to be a jobbler, right? And get the movies he can and pay the bills. But you want to see him get something on the level of Breaking Bad to kind of show his chops.
1: Right. And it's, it's like I see him in these movies. I'm like, ah, Jesse would have known what to do in this situation. That's right. <laughs> he would have said bitch at least 16 times by now. Absolutely. So, so my bullet points. We have constant misdirections that keep you guessing on who the girlfriend actually is. I liked that Aaron Paul grasps the straws to follow leads. He really tries she just goes missing like they're engaged and and then he just she just gone one day and he's like, "Huh, that's weird." So he checks with her friends, checks with her family, nobody knows nothing. And uh he's just getting real upset and he tries like crazy things and sometimes they pay off and he's like oh man that kind of works let me try to try to find her over here find and oh there's her old friend let me see if they know and it's just very strange very strange movie um it is an interesting performance by paul he does emote pretty well but it's not a super great movie and uh an unexpected ending that i appreciate but don't know if i actually liked it <laughs> yeah it's it's such a strange movie he's just like He's not super capable. He's just like a regular dude. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, where did she go? Why would she leave? She wouldn't just leave me. And then there's uh, people that make you think like maybe she's this living this double life. Maybe she's, you know, some other kind of person, you know, uh, he's like, well, she's not, you know, like married over here or, you know, she's not like super agent over here. So it's like they, they explore every other possible thing she could be. Hmm. And or is she just, you know, she just ran away right to get cold feet on life and the relationship and he does a real good job of just like trying to find her and trying to just act like he cares <laughs> but uh i don't know it's a very strange movie and just weird things happen and it's just not super realistic in the end gotcha but uh, i really want something to happen for aaron paul something pre-breaking Bad. right i don't know what that could be i don't know what do you what would you want to see him do who do you want to see him act with
0: um, you know, I'd like to see him do something where he just gets to explore a character who's not just kind of like either like smug douchebag or annoying punk. Right. Like I want to see him do something kind of like when you see Vince Vaughn like take a serious role on. And you're just like, oh shit! Like this dude's yeah. Like completely like he's a great actor. He's not just like that comedy guy. He's like fantastic. Like, yeah. He spent
1: way too much. He spent way too much time in that comedy guy
0: schtick. Yep. Yep, and I want to see Aaron Paul kind of explore and break out of the uh, those couple little like stereotypes that he's been typecast as at this point. Yeah, and I mean,
1: I think he's—I really do think he's good. I just think he has not taken that role. Agreed. So I guess we'll go to the scores. IMDb gave this a 5.7. Okay. Rotten Tomato critics gave it 62%. That was only 13 critics the audience 500 plus plus 30 33 (laughs) percent and i gave it a six i actually enjoyed it i thought it was a fun ride doesn't have a ton of replay ability but
0: it was it was all right did more right than wrong more right than wrong definitely that's good that's good that's quite the the dip between you and the critics and the audience audience scored that super low
1: yeah yeah i i don't know i think that's probably the case of like i just wanted jesse I just wanted to see him be Jesse again. Ah, uh, it's brutal. And, yep. It, it, it is, and that's likely what it was, you know? Ugh,
0: yeah, I get you. So uh, what you got, fool? I got 1985. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got one of my all-time, probably my favorite vampire movie of all time. Which, oh, I
1: bet I know what it is.
0: What is it? I would guess Fright Night. You are correct. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I watched this on October of 2020. It is one hour and 48 minutes, long as a horror film, directed by Tom Holland, not that one, starring William Ragsdale, Amanda Beers, Christopher Sarandon, you name it, they're in it. It's not true. They're not. With Roddy McDowell's in this, so that's kind of all that matters. That's true. Movie summary here is a teenage boy suspects his next-door neighbor is a vampire. Bug- we need yeah and that's i'll get the i'll get the obvious out of the way and i know we've talked about this and a little bit on the podcast i don't know if we've gone too far into it so i'm gonna i'm gonna dust off the soapbox um so i think there is a difference and i know this is like kind of a hotly debated thing between fans of cinema is there so like where's the line between homage and ripoff like, where does that exist? What does it mean? When When is it one? When is it another? When is it a pastiche? When is it just a loving send-up? I think the answer is generally when it works for you. It's one of those things. So I could totally see somebody looking looking at me in the face and going, this is just Rear Window, but instead of a murderer, it's a vampire. And I would go, well, yeah, you're correct. It That's 100% what it is. But there are certain films, like Rear Window, where you watch the movie and then you realize that You've seen dozens upon dozens of movies that just are this movie.
1: Right. So I think it kind of becomes what is the wrinkle in it that makes it a little different. And in this case, it's vampire.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so hard. It's a teenage boy and not Jimmy Stewart. And it's a vampire, not just I think my neighbor committed an act of violence. And it makes it pretty interesting. Charlie's not in the same... Uh, Vane as Jimmy Stewart. They didn't go, like, full rear window like they did in the Shia LaBeouf vehicle, Disturbia. Right. But they do very much hinge on the, like, oh, shit. Like, and he kind of becomes obsessed with the concept that his neighbor is a vampire. So his girlfriend thinks that he's crazy. His... He's kind of, seems to be kind of like a loner and he has like a buddy who's kind of like hyper nerdy and into all that kind of stuff. He thinks he's crazy as well. And so it works pretty well in that regard that no one believes him. You get to see it through his perspective. So you know you're along on the ride with him that his neighbor is in fact a vampire. And the neighbor is played by Chris Sarandon who is just like chef kiss perfect for this role. (laughs) Like, He's dangerous, he's snobby, he's sexy, he's, like, just everything you want a vampire to be. Like, you have to check all these boxes for a good vampire, and he is just fantastic at the job. I think everybody in this movie is cast so super well, including Amanda Bierce, who people may know better as her role as, was it Marcy Darcy, right, in Married with Children?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So, that's kind of where most... And she is a comedian. That was what she was famous for, is comedy writing, doing comedy herself. And she was, like, 25 when she was cast in this movie. But I don't... I think she sells being a teen pretty well. And... It's just so good. Roddy McDowell crushes it. He's like a late-night TV host in this movie, and he plays, like, his his character is a famous vampire hunter. He played him in several kind of, like, horror, Hammer-esque horror films, and now he hosts this late-night show, and he's kind of on the outs of his career. He has a bit of a cult following, but he's going to lose his job at the TV station, and they kind of, the girlfriend and the friend hire him to prove that the vampire is definitively not a vampire to Charlie. And things kind of spiral out of control from there. It's just the pace is wonderful. Holland is an absolute fantastic screenwriter. He really is. And this was his first directorial effort. I think he does a very good job of being contained and still being being able to tell the story he wants to tell. He's He saves his moments of a lot of flourishing for when he needs to do something really cool and he kind of does a nice job of being kinetic enough with the camera that he can hide the effects that happen in the movie and some of the stuff is just great he was a novice enough director he took a lot of a lot of I guess suggestion from the effects department and worked with them pretty closely to make sure that they sold the effects the best they could both the optical stuff and the practical makeup stuff and it's just so well done the characters like I said earlier are just spot on the action's great, the effects are phenomenal, there's some truly awesome stuff I had never seen before, and some effects that have blown me away, and I had to, like, go dig and find out how they did them, because they were just like, how did they do this in one shot, like, what is this? It was really awesome stuff, um, and if you've listened to the podcast previous, you know I've kind of gushed over this film already when I did You're So Cool Brewster way back. It's just <laughs> awesome. This movie rules, and it doesn't get too, too much better, in my opinion. I think you're, you're generally a fan of, if you're a fan of vampire movies, you're going to be a fan of one of the eight. 80- 80s style vampire this lost boys near dark something along those lines and i think that this is definitely uh for me it's up there i think i saw it at the right age and i think the story wa- story-wise it's just so pitch perfect i think some of the other ones come close like lost boys up is up there for me for sure but there's just a couple things that don't let it compare to fright night in terms of just smoothness smallness like it just feels very authentic i i think this movie rocks
1: i um, love that you're like and the soundtrack I say, crushes I was- <laughs> Yeah, the, the soundtrack is great. I love that you're gushing over this. I was like, I'm just going to let him go. He's doing great. Yeah. Uh, but I'm 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 sitting here and I'm trying to think what would my favorite vampire movie be and I'm I have no idea. I am not sure. But I definitely need to go back and watch this one again cuz I I know I've seen the remake more recent and I it's like, no, I need to go back and watch the actual movie.
0: It's so good. It's such a strong vampire film. It's just the right hits of comedy, the right hits of seriousness. It follows all the vampire lore. It just is very, a very fun movie top to bottom. I just, I have a blast every time I watch it. IMDb, 7.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 38, went back to review this movie to a 92%. Nice. Audience, 25,000 plus, have some of their collective heads up their collective asses and only gave it a 76%. (laughs) I come in obviously over the top of everybody here with a 9.5 out of 10. That's great. So good. Love this movie.
1: Man, you're you're starting to get a nice little collection of nine point fives, huh?
0: I know. I'm just. I never thought when we started this that I would be the guy handing out the higher scores. But you are just. You got. You act like you only got three nine fives to give out in your movie watching lifetime. You're very precious with them. Very precious with them. You're
1: right. I, gotta, <laughs> I, well, I also don't watch as good of movies. That's true. You do take a lot of shots on uh, some sketchy shit. Man, I've got some fun ones coming up. Oh just boy! Wait for it. I'm excited. Come, come Chris. Come Christmas time, there's probably gonna be some presents for everybody. Oh. oh man, I have watched some awful, awful crap.
0: Some ho ho holy crap.
1: Holy crap. <laughs> well, I got a movie. Hmm. This is a documentary. You know I love them. Yes. But I don't love this one. Uh oh. <laughs> it's the last blockbuster.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I watched it on uh, April 12th of 2021. It's at hour 26. It is from the year 2020, by the way. Hmm. The documentary is your genre. Directed by Taylor Morton, starring Lauren Lapkus, Sandy Harding, and Ken Tisher. Hmm. The IMDb Movie Summary, a documentary on the last remaining blockbuster video li- located in Bend, Oregon. Hmm. So, basically... The people who work at this blockbuster are very charming and really fun to see. They're kinda like, oh man, I don't they don't have to re up our, our contracts. Like they, they can just tell us they're done and, and it's like kind of like they're always like dodging bullets. And right. they're just really nice really nice people. Yeah, it appears. And has a very family atmosphere, and it's just really fun to see them. The problem with this documentary is uh, documentary is that they just seem to find weird celebrities to just talk about Blockbuster. Like, they give a shit, and they hmm. clearly don't. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the celebrity cameos just feel weird and forced, and it's, it's mostly comedians. Like, maybe they were at a Comic-Con and they got all these people. Right. Uh, it's a lot of Kevin Smith, a lot of Doug Benson uh, it just feels like they were at a comedy show or, like, a Comic-Con where these guys might be, and, uh, and they're just like, yeah, Blockbuster, I remember they had the, the case like this, and oh, yeah, we would just rent this, and it's like, you're just, you're just pulling shit out of your ass, like, you didn't think about this at all. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, it's not great, and um, my bullet points cameos are terrible uh doug benson is funny as always and he actually goes and visits the store in person i'm a big fan of doug benson because he's pretty i feel like he's pretty genuine in his comedy <laughs> and uh he's just like what you want me to go there all right i guess i'll go there and he, like gets a new card and he just rents super high me and um he's like i, I made sure it was near super size me so i figured more people would rent it because that's why we called it and like dumb stuff like that right like, he's like He's very entertaining, but he clearly had no plan of ever going to this place. Right. And it it just seems like they're like, hey, man, we'll give you like, I don't know, we'll pay for your ticket and give you like a couple bucks. You can go rent a movie. He's like, all right, man, whatever. (laughs) Um, It does do a good job of explaining why Blockbuster fell from higher ups that were higher ups in the company at the time. Mm. which is pretty pretty interesting. Uh, it wasn't Netflix that killed them, which was a huge rumor at the time. Yeah. The staff is great and enjoyable, but as a documentary, it just kind of lacks the usual form. You're just kind of bouncing around, and I don't know. The comedians kind of suck. The It just wasn't great it, as a as a movie picture. Sure. Yeah. I was pretty, uh, pretty bored with it, but the information and the learning side of it was pretty good. So IMDb, they give it a 6.8. Rotten Tomato Critics, 24 of them, give it 71%. The audience at Rotten Tomatoes, 100 plus, give it 64%. Okay. I watched this with the wife and the mother-in-law. Ooh. The wife and I. Yeah, the mother-in-law back in here. Uh, Like she threatened. Um, <laughs> me, me and the wife both gave it a 5.0. Mother-in-law gave it a 4.0. We all kind of felt like, ugh
0: whatever <laughs> that's it's tough when you're doing a documentary you're you're trying to follow the story but you're trying to find a through line a narrative to tell your story and it sounds like that they just did not land on one for this particular documentary
1: right they're really just Kind of banking on oh will they get their thing renewed? Will they still get to stay open and be a blockbuster? Are they going to have to become a something else? Because people really only care because it's the last blockbuster. And I mean that that's fine and all, but like they make it so dramatic, and it's it's not really that dramatic.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, I got a better movie than that just simply by the title.
1: I'm ready for it.
0: 2018, The Perfection.
1: Oh wow, can't compete with that.
0: No, nope, you cannot. It is, and you're going to appreciate. Something about this in a moment. I watched it in October of 2020. It is, in fact, one hour and 30 minutes exactly. It's
1: the perfect runtime.
0: <laughs> it is a horror film. It was directed by Richard Shepard, starring Allison Williams, Logan Browning, and one of my favorites, Stephen Weber.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. The movie summary is a troubled musical prodigy and a new star pupil embark down a sinister path. So that's, there's more to it wild. than that. I omitted everything after that this movie reminds me very much of what if they actually did a good job of stitching together a full-length ec comic book as a movie oh cool it is like you're watching the movie and then a twist happens and then a twist happens and then a twist happens and it's just kind of like very uh very what people were calling like the shutter island effect where it was like kind of stacking up things that happen but it wasn't as all oriented at the very end of the film It's in the first act, like right after the first act, you're kind of like, wait, what the hell's happening? And then it shows you what happens. Like, oh, what? And then a little while later, you're like, oh, wait, wait, now everything's changed. Like as you get into act two, everything changes. Then middle of act two, things change. And then as you get to act three, things change again. It's wild.
1: So it's kind of like what M. Night Shyamalan craves to be?
0: A little bit, yeah. When he's at the top of his game, he can do it, but generally kind of misses out on these. It's just so interesting because the twists happen Throughout the film, and they're kind of evenly paced, as opposed or evenly spaced, as opposed to just at the end we're going to put some number of twists here. So it was really a, a refreshing concept. The the leads are great; they're both a really strong performance. Obviously, Williams coming out of uh, Get Out does a fantastic job. And the whole movie just after the fir- after the end of the first act, you do not know who to trust, what to believe. You don't know if you can even believe the movie you're watching. So it really keeps you on your toes and it really draws you in because you're so you're so invested as to what's actually happening, what's reality, what's not. It's really interesting.
1: I'm curious if you considered even for a moment giving this a perfect 10 just because <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i certainly wish i could but it's not quite that good there it get there is li- the end is a little bit cliche like you kind of know what's coming in a certain, in part of it, not the whole twist and things like that, but you kind of know what the crux of everything is once it takes a certain twist. You're like, oh, okay, so this is kind of how it's gonna go. But it really did play through in this very unexpected way, and it works kind of almost like a, a musical piece. Like, they're doing a lot of, you know, dramatical, classical music that changes and shifts, and talk, so they talk a lot about music, obviously. It's about violinists, and they kind of do this job of changing up and kind of repositioning things through the movie so it's it's really cool yeah the direction's a little eh some of the effects aren't great but it's pretty good overall i'd say definitely uh worth a watch for sure we'll get into the scores here in a second imdb 6.1 out of 10 rotten tomatoes critics 95 critics gave it 72 percent okay audience 500 plus gave it 57 percent which I think is like unusually low and it yeah, doesn't add up. No, I come in just a touch higher than the The Rotten Tomatoes critics with a 7.5 out of 10.
1: It's near perfection.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's as close as a like this weird twisty horror movie can get. It's definitely in terms of pacing and not Kind of just spoon feeding you the movie or trying to just slow burn it's just it's really cool I haven't seen a movie quite like it in a while where it's just like oh shit like I just didn't expect this to start right out of the gate and just whip you around like a roller coaster of a movie pretty neat
1: nice yeah that's cool
0: man I liked it you liked it a lot I like it a lot you like it a lot